And it is a season of blessing, a season that we are celebrating Advent, a time when hope was born. And for many of us, has there ever been a time or a year like 2020 when the need for hope was evident throughout the year? We have lived through a pandemic, deaths, sickness, politics that were divisive, escalating racism, economic ruin. If ever there was a year when we needed hope to be reborn in us, this was it. You know, as we've maneuvered our way through this year, I have marveled a few times at some people in our own church family who have negotiated and are in the process right now of negotiating really tough trials. People who are uh, facing super serious illnesses, economic difficulties, isolation, separation from family. And in those people, there is a kind of hope that just never lets go. And they are such amazing role models for me. And I'm so thankful for them. Because when we talk about the hope of the Advent season, we're not talking about human optimism. You know, America is a country that's known for its prosperity and sense of optimism for most, but not all people. But we're not talking about optimism like, well, I'm going to get over this flu bug, or oh, my football team is going to win, or oh, I'm going to maybe get that promotion at work. We're not talking about optimism here. We're talking about a hope that has to do with life way beyond the day in and day out that we experience in the trials and tribulation of 2020. We celebrate this season of Advent, anticipating the coming of the Christ, Christ child, but we need to remember, we need to remember, just as, as Allison talked about, Christ came into a world that was broken, that was ruled by a terrible oppressor. He didn't have a home to be born in. He was born in an animal stall. That's a tough circumstance, so he knows what tough circumstances are like. And so we're going to turn to a scripture this morning that reminds us what it is that gives us hope in Christ that enables us to be hopeful through the trials and tribulations of a year like 2020. The text comes from the last book of our Bible, and it's a red-letter text, even though it's not one of the four Gospels. I'm talking about John's revelation, when in Revelation 21, Jesus speaks from the throne, reminding John of the promise that is to come in the future. And this is what he said. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people." And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that vision, 
that view of the day when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. We don't all rush up to heaven. Heaven, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven to be melded with the earth in a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where our hope leads us. Now, if you're like me, as I've gotten older, I have found many occasions to attend funerals. And you might be thinking right now, wait a minute, that's not a Christmas text. That's a text the pastor reads at funerals. Why are you reading it during Advent? It's, it's a Lent text. It's a text that reminds us that, you know, there's death in this world. And I would say to you today, no, this is a text we need to think about at Christmas time because it is that second coming, that vision that we need to remember today to be hopeful people in the midst of pain. You see, God didn't leave us to heal ourselves. We couldn't do that. God sent his only son, Jesus, to be born in a lonely place, to live among us, to be our example. And while he was here, he did amazing healing things. So we often think of healing in light of the miracles that Jesus performed. You know, he, he healed the lepers. He stopped the bleeding woman from her bleeding. He saved the little boy. He used to throw himself on the ground with epileptic fits. And then in one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's become one of my favorites because I had the opportunity while I was in Jerusalem in February to see the place that this scripture from John's Gospel talks about. It's a place called Bethesda, one of the gates where people who needed to be healed went. This is how John describes it. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into this pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. You see, if you're there on site at Sheep's Gate, this place called Bethesda, what you'll realize, it's on a very steep incline, as you can see from the picture that I took when I was there. Someone would need help if they were lame, to get down the hill. There's now stairways there so people can walk down to the level where the pool is. And the pools are, are holes dug into the ground and all this has been excavated. But Jesus healed the man without the man being immersed in that pool. So we tend to think of Jesus healing these physical things. But the scripture I read to you from Revelation reminds us that Jesus came to heal much more than physical illness and infirmity. And if all we're hoping for from Jesus is physical healing, well, then we're longing for way too little and we're selling God way too short. You know, when Jesus began his ministry in his hometown of Nazareth, he read during worship on a 
Saturday morning then, from Isaiah's scroll. And he opened with words that described what he had come to do. And this is what he said. This is from Luke's gospel. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In reading from that scroll, he was talking about something much bigger than a prisoner in a jail cell or healing of a physical infirmity. He was talking about healing from death. He was initiating and preaching the gospel message of eternal life because of the salvation he was going to offer. When he talked about restoring sight from the blind to the blind, he was talking about people who didn't know or understand. He wasn't just talking about eyesight of our physical eyes. When he talked about freeing prisoners, he was talking about prisoners being freed from sin. And that's a whole lot bigger than physical healing. Jesus actually came to separate us from, not to separate us, to heal us from everything that separates us from God. And that separation occurred long before he came to earth in the form of a little baby lying in a manger. That separation came. When human beings who were given the free will to exercise their choices, exercise a choice to sin. And Jesus came to heal that gulf, to close that separation between God and us so we could be reconciled in a kingdom like the one that's described in Revelation. He came to heal us as individuals all of humanity, all creatures, all communities, all nations, the entire world, everything that God had created. And if we hope for something less than that, then we don't hope for enough. But we also need to remember, as as Allison reminded us a little earlier, we need to understand how that healing happened and how that gulf was closed, and how that reconciliation happened. And it happened because of that nail that she talked about that her family used to hide in the skirt of the Christmas tree. In order to really understand the kind of healing Jesus gives us, we have to move ahead in time to look at that Holy Week, that first Holy Week, to a season that we celebrate now that we call Lent, a time of quiet reflection that's pretty somber. And then to Easter. Because you see, you know, every year at Easter time, people post all kinds of things on Facebook about what Easter means. And there's, there's one saying that some people might think is trite, but to me, it speaks a profound truth. And it's the saying that says, Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof. You see, Jesus did more than live among us to be an example and to teach us. He came to atone. We use the word atonement. It's a churchy word. It describes how he substituted himself for us and took our sins upon himself. How he sacrificed himself for us because we simply couldn't do it for ourselves. And this happened on the cross. 
You know, during this season of Lent, we often read from the book of Isaiah, and we read these words. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. That's the how he accomplished this miraculous healing in us and of a broken creation. We can't begin to understand the healing hope that's part of Advent if we don't consider the whole story from birth in a manger to the cross, to the empty tomb, to the commands to his disciples to love one another, to bear witness to all he had done, to share the gospel message, and to make disciples. And he did all that before he ascended into heaven. And it is from heaven that that text that I read to you at the beginning of this message came. Not only did Jesus take on the burden of our sins, but he forgave us. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And he forgives us still. But he also commanded us and taught us to pray, saying that we are to forgive each other. And that is an act of amazing, amazing grace. And it's grace and forgiveness that we need to share, not only with one another, but everyone out there, outside the walls, everyone outside our homes, for those of you who are watching on live stream, He didn't give us that grace and that forgiveness for us to keep it to ourselves. Some people ask the question, well, I'm forgiven, I'm done, right? Nope, you're not done. You have a choice as a human being with a free will to also help heal others. You have a choice to act as a disciple. You have the choice to bring hope to the hopeless in the here and now. And there is only one right choice here, and that's to say yes and to do it. So what is this role that we either choose to fulfill or to ignore? Well, friends, it's the role of a wounded healer. I use that term because it's the title of a book I read when I was in seminary. It was written by a wonderful man named Henry Nowen. Pastor Bob has quoted Henry Nouwen many times, and I know I've quoted him before. But The Wounded Healer is a book written to remind those in ministry that we don't minister from a place where our lives are just perfect in every aspect. We're sinners. We go through losses. We endure failures and sickness. We're bereaved and we have grief. And never did I understand the truth of what that book teaches us until I really became a wounded healer myself in 2017. God opened up all kinds of possibilities to them and taught me that I could become a better minister by reflecting my own hurts and losses and vulnerabilities to people who were bereaved. I began to understand for the first time what it meant to be a wounded healer. Jesus was wounded for us. By his wounds, we were healed. But in our woundedness, we are called to be little healing helpers, little wounded healing helpers of Jesus Christ. 
Henry Nouwen says we should do that by making an announcement to all who don't know Jesus, to all who are suffering. And that announcement should say, the master is coming. Not tomorrow, but today. Not next year, but this year. Not after all our misery is past, but in the middle of it. Not in another place, but right here where we are standing. Right here, right now. We are called to become wounded healers. Where by the power Jesus has given us, we help others find healing hope. We can do that if we follow his command. If we love God and love one another and love our neighbors. We can do it in all times and all places. You know, it was just yesterday, I was driving home from getting a haircut. And I was playing a Christmas playlist in my car. And a song came on that I had forgotten. It was a song that was recorded and released the Christmas of 2017, a year when I wasn't sure what Christmas was going to be like. And by the way, it was terrific. But when I heard the song, I realized that this song, in a few stanzas, gave this whole sermon much more eloquently than I just did. And so I want to invite you this morning to close your eyes for a minute and to imagine, if you will, a dark night in Bethlehem The inn was full. There was no place for the pregnant woman and her husband to go where she was to give birth to our Savior. But then there was a brilliant light in the sky, and the angels sang. These are the lyrics of the song that reminds me of that night. All is calm and all is bright, everywhere but in your heart tonight. They're singing carols of joy and peace, but you feel too far gone and too far out of reach. Somewhere in your silent night, heaven hears the song. Your broken heart has cried. Hope is here. Just lift your head, for love has come to find you somewhere in your silent night. From heaven's height to manger low, There is no distance the Prince of Peace won't go. From manger low to Calvary's hill, when your pain runs deep, his love runs deeper still. He has always loved you, child, and he always will. So lift your head and lift your heart. Emmanuel will meet you where you are. He knows your hurt. He knows your name. And you are the very reason that he came. It's the season of Advent in the worst year most of us have ever experienced. But we, God's people, followers of Jesus, need to be the bearers of healing hope to a world that's broken and sick and tired. Because this, my friends, is the season when hope was born.